In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This time of year when the days are short and the nights are dark and long, the church calls our attention to the brightness of the Lord Jesus, to his epiphany, to his appearing, to his shining forth. For he came as a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of his people Israel. He came as the rising sun, the day spring from on high, to visit us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So in this dark season of Epiphany, the church focuses on readings from the gospel that bring to light the mystery of Jesus. The magi from the east come to worship him. The spirit descends like a dove on him, and the father speaks from heaven when the son is baptized. The water is turned to wine at the wedding in Cana. And today's gospel continues this theme. Jesus' visit to his hometown synagogue is also an epiphany, a revelation of his identity and his mission. Our gospel story picks up the story of Jesus just after he's begun his public ministry. He's about 30 years old, Luke tells us. At this point, he's been baptized by John the Baptist. He has endured the temptation in the wilderness. And as St. Luke says, he has now returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, where the news about him spreads like wildfire. Our passage, it seems, is a representative sample of his preaching in the local synagogues. On this occasion... One Sabbath in his hometown synagogue of Nazareth, Jesus stands up to read a text of scripture to the assembled faithful. He chooses a text from the prophet Isaiah, the first two verses of Isaiah chapter 61. He reads the passage and then sits down to preach, as was the custom in those days. And he stuns everyone by saying, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It is Jesus makes the astonishing claim that Isaiah was speaking about him. In this way, he interprets to the congregation the things concerning himself in Isaiah. That which the prophet saw through a glass darkly now beams brightly in Jesus. The scripture, he reads, declares the mystery concerning him, as one of the fathers put it. But how so? What does it reveal about who Jesus is and about why he has come? What does it make manifest about him? To begin, Jesus is shown to be the anointed one of whom the prophet speaks, the one who rightly says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke tells us how the Holy Spirit overshadowed his mother at his conception and then descended upon him again like a dove at his baptism, when the voice from heaven cried, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee am I well pleased. 
And he is the one who will, after dying and rising to life again, return to the Father and pour out the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will light upon the disciples like tongues of fire. He is the one who says, truly, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He it is who is anointed by the Spirit as the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, to lead us out of death into life. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because he has anointed me. Why? Why anointed? To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He was sent to preach and to heal and to save, to announce and bring about the renewal of all things, to bring the end of the old broken world and establish the new creation, to reign in justice and equity. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's slow down a little bit and look more closely at the passage to see what I'm speaking about. First, do you see who the objects of Christ's mission are? To whom is he sent, especially? Look again at the text. He's sent to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the captives, to the bruised and beaten down and oppressed. In short, to those who are otherwise ignored, to those who exist on the margins, who are despised or cast aside or ground underfoot. To them especially he is sent. He's come for their sakes. Those whom the world regards as disposable turn out to be the objects of divine grace. Their lives matter. The Lord does not forget them. He lavishes his attention on them, on the lowly, on the lost, and the least, on the poor. Later, when the religious authorities complain that Jesus is eating and drinking with the disreputable publicans and sinners, Jesus says, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This helps us to see that the poor to whom Jesus comes is a very broad category indeed. He was sent to the poor, full stop, to the poor in the literal sense, those without social or economic power. We see this again and again throughout the Gospels. He's also sent to those who are poor in spirit, the meek, the lowly and humble of heart, those that beat their breasts and cry, Lord God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he sent to all, for all are without exception poor in the sight of the living God. All have nothing that they have not received. We stand naked before him. And Christ comes to draw all to himself. All are the objects of his love. He does not love as men love. He does not love with partiality, favoring the familiar or the famous or those who are fair of face and form. 
The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, how does the text from Isaiah display the purpose for which Jesus was sent? Look at the verbs. He was sent to proclaim good news, sent to bring healing, to restore sight. And the text emphasizes he was sent to bring release, to secure liberty, to bring freedom for the captives and the oppressed. St. Luke underscores Christ's work of bringing release by mentioning it twice, something which many English translations obscure by giving two renderings for one Greek word. In our text, deliverance and liberty both translate the one word for release. And this release, this loosing of bonds, is at the heart of the work of Christ. It is a word with depths of meaning. It points to his bringing about justice and equity on earth. As we sang in our hymn, he comes to break oppression and set the captive free, to take away transgression and rule in equity. And it, his bringing release is, above all, though, a metaphor for the forgiveness of sins, which the Gospels speak about in terms of release. He is the one who brings release from sin, who frees us from the bonds of entangling sin. In him, we have forgiveness of our sins. As we pray on Ash Wednesday, though we be tied and bound with the chain of our sins, yet let the pitifulness of thy great mercy loose us. Christ comes to loose us, to release us from the bonds of sin and death in all their many forms. There's a story later in the gospel which illustrates the comprehensive nature of the release, the freedom that Christ brings. In Luke chapter 13, there's a story of a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Jesus heals her, and she is able to stand upright. And then later on, he describes her as a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound these 18 years. In healing her body, Jesus releases her from the bonds of Satan. He comes, in other words, to break the power of the devil in every way, to bind the strong man, to rescue those held captive by the forces of evil, to bring them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and to break their bonds in sunder. Sometimes those bonds are manifest, as in the case of the woman. Other times they are the invisible bonds of sin which hold down our hearts. Christ comes in every event to open the blind eyes, as Isaiah says, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. He comes to bring release, comes to deliver us from evil and from the power of the evil one. The last line from the Isaiah passage gestures toward an even deeper aspect of Christ's mission. He comes, he says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim 
the year of the Lord's favor. This language of the acceptable year of the Lord points to the ancient Israelite concept of the Jubilee year, spoken of in the book of Leviticus. Every 50th year in Israel was to be a Jubilee year, an acceptable year, in which all debts were canceled and all debtors freed. Ye shall hallow the 50th year, God says, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man to his possessions, and ye shall return every man to his family. Everyone is released from debt, given a new start. And just think for a moment about the radical social implications such a practice would have. Indeed, implementing the jubilee year would turn the world upside down. So much so that for the prophets, it becomes a symbol of the Lord's promise to make a new beginning, to cancel Israel's debt of sin, to wipe the slate clean, to make a new beginning, not only for Israel, but for the whole creation. Indeed, to make the whole creation new. And the thrust of what Jesus says in the synagogue is that in him, this acceptable year has arrived. This new beginning has come. In him, the Lord has visited his people to bring about the renewal of all things. St. Paul will put it, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. After reading the passage from Isaiah, Jesus closed the book and gave it to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day in the synagogue, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That all happened long ago. And yet the Lord Jesus spoke not only long ago in that synagogue in Galilee, he speaks today, too, right here in this very church. He speaks in his true and lively word. And when you hear his word, he is speaking to you. He is addressing you. He's proclaiming to you the good news of his gracious rule, proclaiming to you release from whatever captivity you suffer, proclaiming to you the recovery of your sight, liberty from oppression. And he speaks to us also in the sacrament, assuring you of his favor and goodness towards you, signifying his boundless love for you, showing you how much he was willing to bear for your sake, how much he suffered for your redemption, giving himself to you that you might share in his eternal joy. The Lord Jesus still speaks today. And as the scripture says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. This epiphany, let us open our hearts wide to him, that we might hear his voice speaking salvation to our souls. Let us attend to him as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns 
and the morning star brightens in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.